Welcome to your sophomore year at the Tragedy Academy, where you are the teacher and we are the students. Together, we learn from past tragedy to lay the foundation for a better humanity. The only supplies you'll need an open mind and a sense of humor. So, tilt that chair back, talk out of turn, and never raise your hand. Because this is the Tragedy Academy and class in session. I'm Pure Scott. Welcome to the Tragedy Academy, a show created to bridge societal divides in a judgment-free zone using candor and humor. My name is Jay, and today I'm joined by my friend Lucas Hill. How you doing today, Lucas? I'm excellent, Jay. How about yourself? Doing well, man. Long time no see. Pandemic and all this. Yeah, it's been a while, but uh, definitely long overdue. Go ahead and pull the mic down a little bit there in front of you so you can uh, get a little closer when you're talking. There we go. Oh, yeah. I want to hear that smooth <laughs> It sounds like butter, man. So, so pandemic and uh, Lucas. Lucas is a uh, personal trainer, and I've known him for a while. He worked with me with some of my uh, injuries and stuff like that. Good friend, Lucas. What are you working on, man? How's everything been during the pandemic? Actually, things have been great. And uh, contrary to popular belief for a lot of people, the pandemic for me was super insightful. It allowed me to slow down and actually think about what it is that I want to do and how I want to spend my time. And I realized that before all of that, I was in a cycle that it was very difficult to break. Um, I, I was living a life of trying to accomplish goals instead of being centered within myself. So having that time to slow down and actually realize that and not having to be somewhere at all the times and doing something specific, I was able to, to recalibrate myself and kind of ask, you know, what is it that I want to do and how do I want to spend my time? And it kind of leads me to where I am today. So I, I like you said something specific in there. You said having to be somewhere. It's an odd dynamic as a as a human being that we have these places and points that we're supposed to be at during time. And there really is no reason to do them. And we have so much of that going on in our head that you're right. The pandemic gave us a chance to sit and think about what we're supposed to be thinking about. Exactly. Which is none of that shit. Right. So I, um, I, it was just a really weird experience because, again, you know, being someone who is always used to being somewhere at a specific time, whether that's metaphorical as like a place in life or literally having to be somewhere, um, it was just a strange, a strange sequence of events. And, you know, I enjoyed it a lot because I was able to break the structure. I was able to tap into my intuition and ask myself, okay, what do I enjoy? I didn't know anymore. You know, having to be in a schedule and constantly do for others, it's like, well, when do you do for yourself? And how do you do for yourself? And is it going to be productive? Um, it, there's just so many things placed on every single thought. So to have all that broken free and to, you know, have nature come back and you know, to be able to drive on the street and see animals that you would normally only see in the wild. Yeah, the world, the, the earth, the earth came back alive when all the vehicles stopped moving. You could see all of the different, you know, birds and animals and things walking around. It was like they were coming out of hiding. Right. Because it was safer then. Um, it, it, amazing how that how that works. Um, I'm, I'm super happy that you, uh, that you were able to connect with yourself in that time. And I think that a lot of people have, have had that opportunity. And if they didn't, um, then, uh, then they're, they're still suffering. I think that they can still bridge that gap. Um, I think that for me, you know, it was, it was meditation and things like that. And it was that grounding that you're talking about and trying to stop that, uh, that hamster wheel that's going in your head. 
that you don't even know why it exists and right. you don't realize how fast it's gotten over the years. Right. It starts out at like a really slow pace, like a one-legged gerbil. And then all of a sudden it's like an octopus gerbil running like- <laughs> It just takes you over. Yes, right. yes. And you don't realize that you're never not thinking. Right. You're never not thinking. Yep. That's not cool. No, and and it's it's very detrimental to our health because you know what this is what I've heard before. Um, meditation is talking to God. No, 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 visualization is talking to God. Meditation is listening. So if we never get a chance to listen to the the higher selves within ourselves, then we never get a chance to let those moments of intuition beyond us. Uh, actually come into play. We never allow those higher dimensions to interfere with our lives in a positive way. And, you know, in, in scripture, it says, you know, you are supposed to uh, not lean into your own understanding, but but let something greater than you come into the picture. And we don't have that. You know, a lot of people are, are living stress-filled lives um, because they're they're constantly running these programs in their mind or we can't sleep properly because, you know, we have these thoughts about the day or the thoughts about tomorrow. When we wake up, we check social media. We're living in the past because we're constantly thinking about the things that we have to do rather than allowing each and every day to be a, a gift, to be a miracle, because it is. And, I, you know, I think back to being a child and there was so much wonder in every single day. And I feel like over time, as, as an adult, that has gone down because you, you know what to anticipate. You know what to expect from each and every day. But when you don't There's know. no more wonder. You lose your childlike wonder. I talked about this the other day. I was watching people a long time ago walk into Disney. And there were two separate types of people. There were people that had been there the first time. And they looked just f***ing amazed. Yep. And then there was the past people. And they were sprinting past them. And they didn't have that same wonder on their face. Right. And we don't, it's, it's like those, um, those glasses for colorblind, for colorblindness. Right. Why don't we wake up every morning excited as fuck at the way things look? Yeah. We did at one point. Yeah. And how do we not appreciate it at least a little bit more? Right. Just a little bit more. Why? Because of our mind. Our mind tells us it doesn't fucking, it serves no purpose right. to know what it looks like. The mind is only up there to stop you from getting fucked. Yeah. It's keeping you from getting hurt. We think it's devising ways for us to fucking become successful and navigate shit. Nope. It's 100% heading off fear at every fucking pass. Yeah. Even in your career, even when you're dealing with people, no matter where you're at, the mind is only guiding you through the societal norms so that you don't get a heightened adrenaline or a fucked up amygdala or whatever the hell it is in your head. Exactly. And that's, that's super true because um, if you look to see how much fear and panic not only came from the pandemic itself, even though a lot of people weren't affected for a while or had mild, you know, adverse effects, but also with like social media and with, you know, the big P word that we don't like to talk about politics. It's, it's, everything's been fear driven and it's unfortunate, but you do see it because people are going to the extremes when it, when you walk outside, it's not like what you see on social media. It's a lot different. It's a lot more calm. You're 100% correct. Social media is a catalyst for a lot of issues, and I think that um, generationally there's a, there's a painful wedge drawn in there too because you have two separate types of people. You have an empathetic, open-minded uh, younger generation with a little more knowledge of some other things, and then you have a, a very strong older generation that, uh, you know, that we 
received everything on the backs of. And then they're being told that everything that they believed in or that they trusted in their lifetime is now shit. Yep. Whether it is or not, it makes them feel as if everything that they've done is now tainted. And what do you do in that situation? Whether you believe it or not, we're so blind to things that are going on around us that we will brazenly defend the things that we know are wrong for the simple fact that we need to protect what little bit that we have within our group, within our societal group, our peace. We don't even realize we're doing it. We're just doing it to make ourselves feel accepted with others. Correct. And I, I think also a lot of that has to stem with, uh, of course, the ego, but there's a lot of fear within us that maybe we are not enough. Maybe we're unworthy of love. Maybe we're not going to be accepted. And like you said, it was a perfect description. We tend to go towards things that might not be in alignment with our values or, or what we would generally put out as part of who we are just to feel like we're a part of a group or just to feel like we're holding on to the last little bit of something that we actually know because no one wants to be told, okay, your whole life you think you're something and then you get told you're something else and that happens to be the truth. But you don't want to hear that. You've identified with this one aspect so largely that that would completely derail you and, and, and deconstruct everything you've known yourself to be for your entire life. We, we watched it uh, over the last couple of years. We wa I watched people who I love transform in during this time uh you know whether it be politics or whatever you know the pandemic or any of the other um you know horrifying things that happened over the last couple of years and you could watch people not i know they're the same person because we are only one thing we're our authentic self everything else is a is a way to avoid being it or to deny it because of fear. Correct. You know, but these people, they, they, they got sucked into a different reality. And when they do that, it becomes a transference. And whenever you utilize that, you know, the power of somebody else to give you the, you know, the feeling inside that you are missing, you're allowing them to make the decisions for you. Right. You are allowing them to be your mind. And you're also allowing their failure to be your failure. Yep. Because if it doesn't work out and you placed all your eggs in that basket, you're fucked. And we're seeing a lot of people that are in that situation. But what do we do? We tell them, it's okay. I understand. Come back. But you need to open your mind. Right. Simple as that. Right. So speaking of opening the mind, I think the pandemic was a perfect opportunity for, for me to do so. And uh, it's weird. You know, a lot of times we, we tend to search for certain things in life and then the things that we actually need happen to find us instead of us searching for it. And that's exactly what happened. So um, back to the, to the grounding and, and reconnecting with intuition, I was, you know, on Facebook one day and I'm reading an article from Vice Media about this plant medicine called 5-MeO-DMT, right? <laughs> How long ago was this? This was, this was March of, of last And they're just now hearing about this advice? Yeah, well, <laughs> so they, I mean, you know, they've had specials about it, but they were putting it out, I guess, um, as just a, a media post for people to get more acquainted with what it actually was. Mm -hmm. And I'm reading about it, and I had heard about it, you know, a as a kid in this generation, you uh, guys know a lot more than we did. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we well, you have access to a lot more information. Let me say that yes. correctly. Yes, we have readily available uh, access to information that's right in front of us. Einstein said, "Don't memorize anything you can look up." Right, right. And and, and that's you know you don't want to take up that brain power. You you would rather have that to go to something a little more important. But um, 
so I, I'm reading this article and I, I, I'd heard about it, you know, years prior. I, I knew somebody uh, I'd grown up with who had gotten off a black market back in the day. You know, like that's not scary. <laughs> you know, like, that's that's where I want to have my God experience from some right? nefarious dude in a dumpster, you know, handing off some shit. I, I'm not thinking that's the route to God. No, no. And, and you know, his experience that he had told me about, it definitely didn't seem like a, a true uh, plant medicine experience that you would want to go. Not to. an ayahuasca. Exactly. Exactly. But, um, you know. Rather than making a trip to some foreign country, I, I just thought to myself briefly, like, you know, that'd be an awesome experience. And I shit you not. 30 minutes later, one of my best friends sends me a text message and he goes, hey, so I have something that I think you might be interested in. Um, hit me up when you get this. And I'm, I'm like, what is it? Out of anything in the world, I say, what is it? 5-MEO DMT? Responds back, yes. Immediately, immediately I had chills all over my body. I'm like, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I was just joking about that. He goes, no, I'm actually serious. I met this guy who's a shaman, and I tried it last night. And based on my experience and, and knowing you as well as I do, I think you would, you would enjoy this greatly. So I thought about it, and I sat there for 10 minutes without replying. And This is Bufo Frog? This is the Bufo. Yep. This is this is the real deal. The real deal. From the Sonoran Desert, the Bufo Frog. So we don't endorse any illegal drugs here on the Tragedy Academy, just right. so everybody's out there. So right. whatever you're doing is solely what you're doing. Yes. Although yes. I am still fucking interested. Yes. I've never done these things. Um I, I don't I haven't experienced these particular things, but I've always been curious because they seem to be very congruent with a lot of things that we know as religions and different things like that. Now, when I say congruent, I'm not saying it takes the place of or anything like that. I'm actually right. talking about their there's just similarities. Of course. And, you know, with the plant medicines, a lot of studies have actually shown that these chemicals that exist in nature have evolved alongside of us as humans. So they have to be here for some reason. They're, and they exist everywhere. Earth does not make mistakes. Every time it rains, it grows a fucking a plant that will fucking change your outlook on life. Correct. Which Thank God the VA and other psychiatric places are starting to bring in LSD, DMT, yeah. or not DMT, they're bringing in, um, sorry, ecstasy, cybacillin, all yeah. that stuff they're bringing in. A amazing, because we're starting to figure out that we have, we have a fucking endocannabinoid system. Yeah. Like a system. Yeah. Not like, you know, one receptor or something, you know. We have a, a whole, whole system. system. Yeah. Like a digestive system, your pulmonary, all these different things. And we've denied that, and it's grown beside us the whole time. I'm not saying that you replace, you know, your life's moral compass with drugs. No. Or something like that. But keep an open mind that these things are around us, and they've been proven to change a lot of things. There are reasons why shaman and small you know, different villagers or small uh, sects and tribes in South America or um, other countries where they don't want outsiders. Right. They don't want outsiders. They literally call us insane. Monks will call us insane, right? right? And they don't mean that as a derogatory term. They actually mean it that we're legitimately insane. We fly around the world to take naps and get a break. Yeah. That's kind of fucked up if you think about it's it. It's a little backwards. Right, exactly, and they know that, and they don't want the disease, which is what you've been talking about, the mind. Right, correct. So DMT, did yeah. you try it? So um, before we get back into that, I, I definitely want to touch back to something you said, and when it comes to how we live right now, I, I also believe that the powers that be don't want us to have that freedom of expression, that freedom of thought, and so there's an agenda behind it. But, you know, that agenda has been exposed and the veil has been lifted, and that's why we're starting to see more uh, legalization of those 
um, cannabinoids and psilocybin and LSD compounds because they have a lot of beneficial properties. Right. But again, and they can't kill you. Right. Right. <laughs> Alcohol can. And, and and we can get it at the store. You got to be 21 and that's it. Anyways. So, um, <laughs> so he sends me the message and I, I think back to a, a statement in, in the book, Think and Grow Rich. Um, and Dale, uh, Napoleon Hill says that he got offered an opportunity to become mentored by Dale Carnegie. Instead of thinking about it, he just said yes, because he knew that whatever the consequences were going to be, it would put him in a better position after the fact than where he was at that exact moment. So Isn't this a concept of a Jim Carrey movie? He says yes to everything, like for, yes for man. like, <laughs> yes, man. Similar, similar. <laughs> similar, but with, with guidelines. With guidelines, exactly. <laughs> so I was keeping my health in mind, but I said yes, and I ended up uh, meeting up with my friend, and I met the shaman. And it was a lot different than I expected. You know, I expect some older person who's had a lot of experience and maybe is from a, a country that has tribes of some sort. And this guy was just a regular guy. He, he was, you know, like 30 years old. Um, but he had quit his corporate job to become a shaman because of his experiences with this specific plant medicine. Now, I, I, I love to experiment. I, I am very big on existentialism and I like to explore the boundaries of my consciousness. We couldn't figure that out by, by now. <laughs> So, I mean, I've, I've done a lot of experimentation in the past with those compounds that we have previously mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, and there's two types of DMT. There's NNDMT, which is the more uh, accessible one. That's where you find a lot of grasses and roots all over the world. But then that 5-MeO is that bufo frog. It comes from the frog in the Sonoran it's, Desert. It's, what is it called? The death particle or something like that? Or the god the particle? The god particle, Because yeah. it's what we, uh, we naturally secrete prior to death in right. order to deal with that ego death. Right. They, they, they say that you release a lot when you die and, and small bits when you dream. So a lot of stories in religion, I, I've come back to this thought that maybe um, a lot of the, the moments of people getting in contact with, quote unquote, God is actually a release of these chemicals, um, whether it's through themselves or whether it's through external sources like the plant medicine and unknowingly ingesting these chemicals. But so back to what happened. I get there, I'm talking to uh, the shaman and to my friend, and you know, I'm asking my friend, hey, you know, how was your experience? I didn't want to ask him over the phone, but like, how did you enjoy things? What was it like for you? And he goes, the real question, I'd like to point something sure. out. I, I'm going to tell you what the real question is, veiled in everything you just said. Sure. Did it freak you the fuck out or not? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's exactly what the question is. As a human, when you're looking at somebody else that did it, was it worth it? Right. That basically, <laughs> that, that is what I was getting down to because I had done the other version and it definitely is like Space Mountain blasting off through the tunnel. And you, when you leave that tunnel, you're in somewhere else. Like you are not physically present anymore. You can open your eyes and you see things where you are, but it doesn't feel like you're in your body. But when you close your eyes, you are not in the same place. And you're getting these hits of information that are beyond us. And, and people like to call it, you know, the divine library of consciousness, the Akashic, Akashic records or exactly. something like that. Yeah, exactly. But contrary to belief without doing those things, that place exists. Exactly. But it takes the experience for you to actually understand that. And so I had known that place existed and it wasn't my aim to, to have any intention aside from, you know, if I were to do this experience this night, all I want to do is, maybe further understand my particular purpose. You know, why am I here? Is there even a particular purpose or am I creating it? Um, and how can I be in a sense of guidance at all? You went in that, screwed that tight? Yeah. I, nah, nah, I got it. There's got to be a little bit in there. Man, this is going to be fucking fun. Well, I knew it was going to be fun, but you have to also think, 
this is supposed to be the most potent uh, psychedelic, the most potent hallucinogenic known to man. So with you were that, scared. I was. I was a little. I was nervous. They say that um, that you have to control your mindset going into something like that. Yeah, you, it's and that's why I, I enjoy the fact that there was a shaman there because recreationally, I would never advise anybody to do anything like this ever. Even if you think you are, I'm not gonna be in my garage trying out some DMT <laughs> exactly. next to the car. Yeah. <laughs> no fucking way. No, and I, I would not recommend it. And people do, and you know nothing against those people. But for me, it's something much deeper. Again, this is a plant medicine is a teacher. And when you have something that needs to be learned, maybe that's when you seek it out or it seeks you out. In my case, it actually sought me out because I was at a place in my life where, you know, the pandemic was just starting. We had just heard news that things were starting to close down. And, and, and where I live, you know, there, there weren't many closures, but it was on the horizon. So things were starting to change in a really weird way. And this was like the opportune time for me to actually get some insight about what needs to happen going forward. So I agreed to it. And the shaman asked me, okay, so what's your experience with psychedelics in the past? And I had told him, you know, numerous times of experimenting with psilocybin, a few times with LSD, and I enjoyed that aspect a lot. And I had done DMT a couple of times. And he's like, okay, perfect. You're going to enjoy this experience. I'm excited to see what comes from it. Do you have any intentions? And I told him what I had just told you about wanting to find myself in a deeper sense and wanting to be in a sense of guidance. Because just like meditation, you exactly. have to go in with an intention. If you don't go in with an intention, you're just wasting your time. Kind of, yeah. Well, you're not wasting it, wasting it. But yes, but it could be more effective if you have an, an intention. So he's like, awesome. You know, I can guide you a little bit better now that I know what you're here for. And um, he basically told me about the, the process. So... There's a few things that have to happen for you to actually go through the entire process. First, what we did was we went outside and it was it was nighttime, like 9:30 in the evening, and you had to scream as loud as you could and, and run around and aggravate everybody in the neighborhood. Do a couple backflips, do a couple splits, all that good stuff. <laughs> you have to do like a 90s cheerleader routine <laughs> just to get the vibe. I ready. want him to ask you to do things that you absolutely do not have to do just just so you're like what the fuck is going on i probably would have yeah exactly i would have you would have yeah if it meant not freaking out you would have fucking yes. been like okay how many times do i say ring around the rosie <laughs> is that seven or eight i don't remember <laughs> so we we go outside it's a beautiful night it's like the end of february early march uh crisp air and where we were, um, we were right in nature. So you can hear like the crickets and everything in the background. It was very peaceful. And um, he lays down this tapestry of Ganesh, the elephant from the Hindi culture. And we have candles all around just, you know, for lighting and because to keep the bugs away, of course, you know. But um, citronella uh, yes. slash meditation candles. Yes, dual purpose <laughs> candles. <laughs> but they, they, they actually work pretty well. I didn't get bit up and it was decent lighting. So... Uh, we're kneeling on the ground facing each other, and basically he has this uh, this tobacco and herbal mix called rapé. Okay. So he also has Palo Santo, which is like uh, very similar to sage. You okay. light it, and it's supposed to clear your energy. Okay. And then he has this anointing oil. So first he lights the Palo Santo. He wisps it around my body, letting the smoke clear off any negative energy that I might have been carrying with me, right? Okay. Then he gives me this rapé, so it's snuff. 
And, and if you guys don't know what snuff is, snuff basically you put it in your nose and somebody blows it up your nose as you inhale. No, I, I know what snuff is from like a redneck backwoods, yeah. but nobody ever blew that shit up my buddy's nose. Yep. <laughs> I can tell you that wasn't happening with yeah. snuff. So it's 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 the snuff compound, gotcha. but you get it like blown a powder. Up. Exactly, but you blow you get it blown up your nose. That way it's instant. So I had no idea what to expect, and I had, I had saw the- So the that snuff. was the modicum of ingestion of the DMT? No, this is still pre-DMT. This is to get your body ready, because we're always carrying around energies, and maybe the foods that we eat have certain chemicals that are not going to blend well with these compounds. So you want to make sure that you're a clean slate before you go into it. So I, I forgot to mention, but he also said, like, make sure that you're eating pretty healthily going into this. Like, if you haven't eaten already, um, don't eat. Or if you're gonna have something, you have it light and be green, you know, vegetables and yeah, fruit. You don't, you don't want to shit yourself on nope. DMT, man. Nope. That would not be cool. No, no, it, it, it would not be a fun experience. Uh, although I'd probably gain a little more insight. But <laughs> how many Freudian things are locked up in a DMT shit yourself you know, situation? Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot, I'm sure a lot. I don't know if I derive pleasure or embarrassment or both, but yeah, all sorts of stuff, man. It, it, that would that. Yeah, well, I mean, wanted to find God. Yeah, yeah. So, um. So the raw pay, I had no idea what to expect because he did a little bit himself and he, he seemed fine. But w when I tell you, I've never had an instant fight or flight experience like that in my life. As soon as he blew it up my nose, my I could feel the trigger get pushed and my body instantly freaked out. I, I started panicking my like, I couldn't breathe for like 10 seconds. I'm trying to inhale. And I'm just literally like not. Well, yeah, you got inhale. fucking pixie stick in your nose. Yep. Yeah, but even through my mouth, I couldn't inhale through my mouth. I could hardly exhale. I started like tearing up. I started sweating and my body freaked out. And he like calmed me down. He put his hands on my shoulder. He's like, just breathe, just breathe. And I'm like, okay, <sighs> I could finally take it after like five, 10 seconds. I could, I could finally breathe again. And I looked at him with tears in my eyes. And I'm like, that's insane. And I, I'm chilling out for about a minute. And he's like, all right, we're back calm again. He's like, you ready for the other nostril? And I'm like. <laughs> there's two of these there's fuckers? two of these so i'm like okay you know maybe now that i know what to expect it won't be so bad it was the exact same experience of course it was the only difference is i knew what to expect but it didn't change you, anything. you just flinched this time exactly exactly <laughs> that's the only difference you don't you don't expect it the first time you right. don't flinch the second time you still know it's gonna suck yep you just now your heart now he's having to blow more shit like everywhere exactly probably got it everywhere the second time it was disgusting when i blew out on a paper towel it was black powder just gunk coming out of my nose is this a necessity when you do dmt not when you do normal like nn dmt but with the ritual yes because this is the ritual aspect of it, Correct. which has been tried and true. Correct. And I will stand by it every time, no matter how much it sucked ass, it was necessary because immediately after that second nostril was done, I could feel my state of vibration change. I was now at a level, grounded place, completely present. Where I, When I came in before, of course, I had had some thoughts in my head, you know, like we mentioned in, previously, the thoughts are always occurring. But now... It was like, no, I, it was like I had just meditated and now I'm a clean slate and I'm vibrating at a level that is completely pure and open to whatever's going to come. So, so you were you were in a, a pure mindful state. Yes, but I didn't do that alone. Again, that was part of the, the whole process with the rape and with the, the Palo Santo. So then he gets this oil and he puts it on me and around me. And he's like, this is supposed to keep you grounded so that when you're in your trip, you don't forget that you're actually here in the physical plane. That kind of, you know, made me think a little ba basically bit. Basically, don't leave yourself there. Exactly. Exactly. Because you can. Again, you can. You definitely can. And it, it, I wouldn't be the first one to do it. So 
Um, I kept that in mind. And then he had this like intention sheet, right? He flipped it over. He had me hold this, what I thought was like an amulet or device. or I don't know what it was. But he, had, he had me hold something close to my heart and say like these positive affirmations, you know, like, I am here to become a better person and I am filled with love and positivity and I aim to grow and help people. You know, but things that I actually believed in, I just didn't write them out myself. He had them for me. So I'm holding these and I'm saying these and actually feeling the words. And he asked me to give him the device back. And I didn't know it, but it was the smoking piece for the DMT. Ah, okay. So you were blessing it ahead of time. Correct. Correct. And then, <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> for anybody that does not know DMT or what this situation is, it sounds like you just had a shaman bless a crack pipe to them. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that far exactly. off. Exactly, that's that why I'm kind of laughing. <laughs> yes, if, if you think about it from that sense, it is not far off at all. But, <laughs> but it's not, I get yes, that. I'm just pointing out that, what yes. society would, would, how they would hear that conversation. Correct, correct. And yeah, it, I, it definitely seems like that and that's how it seemed in the process but you know with the spiritual side behind it you kind of you kind of look past that i do i make jokes yeah, that's yeah, all yeah yeah you, you definitely you definitely look past it but looking back on it i was like that was a super crackhead ass experience <laughs> in the woods huffing out of a glass pipe with seriously, seriously exactly it's all about context yes the context but it, it made the difference it did make the sure difference. it did yeah i mean they're not taking vets to other countries to do this shit for no reason correct correct so, and, and, and I also forgot to mention, like, within uh, the shaman's, I guess, area of power or where he's allowed to do these things, because he's a part of a church, he can actually um, give you guys or give somebody the medicine and, and have it done legally. Because wherever setting that he's in, it's technically a, a church service. So if you're in a private setting, you know, as long as it's not owned by a municipality, like, let's say you're in a house or, or something that you have ownership on. If he's there giving you the service, he's in his rights. So after all this, he takes the pipe. He starts lighting it. He goes, are you ready? And I have my last little bit of ego fighting against him. I'm like, I really want to do this. Hey, academics. Have you endured life's tragedies, trials, and tribulations? Did you adapt and overcome? Do you have advice for others to pay forward and want to be a guest? Then email us a brief two to three minute video to show at thetragedyacademy.com. And tell us how our academics can learn and grow from these experiences. Thanks again for your support. And now, back to class. Like, I've gone this entire way. I've done all this. I did the raw pay. Like, that was enough. Like, you know. <laughs> you, you, got, you got pixie stick up in those. Yes. You might as well go for it. Exactly. That now, did he use, like, a blowgun? Or was this, like, an off-the-hand thing? Like, he it was, was uh... like a 1980s wrestler with some chalk powder? Or what was happening here? It kind of looked like the edge of a rolling pin. You know how they kind of go out smaller, like the handles, like yeah. the edge of that. Like you would take one, taking one of those off, and there was just a hole in the top. So it like it fits up your nose, but it, the mouthpiece was wider. So it was cone shape. Okay. But um, yeah, he he blew it up like that. It was it was ugh, again not a great experience, but necessary, necessary. And and I, I feel like that has that's that's very very uh, indicative of a lot of life. I just love it. I love the idea of another dude blowing something up somebody else's yeah, nose. Yeah, even yeah. even though it is truly what you're explaining is a spiritual experience, yes. all that type of thing. But 
I, you know me, I like to look at things from the outside in. Yes. If I were the spectator looking at this, you like Mrs. Kravitz or something, you know, oh my God, do you see what they're doing? <laughs> <laughs> like, what is that? What are you? Yeah. So, so, so you're there, you're, you're getting ready to go. Right. And then he, he lights the pipe and that's when I realized, okay, it's go time. So back to my previous experience with other types of DMT. Again, it's like you, you feel gravity come down on you and you shoot off in like magic mountain and at disney world you're you're in this tunnel and you're you're seeing these lights like you're in space and you travel and boom you're instantly somewhere else now this i started inhaling right and what i didn't know is he gave me a heroic dose typically dosages from from his compound are like you know like like a 0.4 milligram very very small but you're because you're experienced he gave you a bit more correct because he knew i could take it and he was there to calm me down if anything happened to to freak me out and again one of my best friends the one who invited me there was out in the corner you know he wasn't in sight but he was there just in case i just wanted him there for a little bit of comfort absolutely yeah well i mean you're in the woods with some guy you don't know blowing exactly. up your nose i'd kind of want my buddy there too yeah 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 definitely and not that this shaman didn't make me feel calming but again it was it was definitely a little bit more comfortable having somebody i knew there so he starts lighting in and inhale and it's a slow draw it's just a and i thought i was done and he goes no go again i, I open my eyes look at him I'm like you sure he goes yeah i'm like all right He goes, hold it. And as soon as I hold it, I could feel my chest get heavy and gravity started to come down on me, like super heavy to where I was forced to lay down. And instantly, instantly, all the the negative energies that I had been carrying around, not just that day, not just that week, that year, but my whole life, I could feel all those energy stores in my body getting tapped into and getting pulled out. I could feel the negativity leaving me as if there was a magnet above me drawing it out of my and I was, my, my breathing was involuntary. It looked like I was having a seizure, but it was controlled. Like I'm, my body's doing all these types of movements going up and down. My breathing is erratic and then it goes super deep and super slow and then erratic again. And it was just this, this crazy, I had zero control. At that point, I was just the observer and I was able to, to watch this experience and feel this experience. And Outside I, in. So you're, you're talking about you were, you were separate from your body, watching your body go through this? But yes, but as a part of my body as well, because I could still experience the sensations, but my consciousness was not in my body. My consciousness was outside my body. And as soon as all those energies got pulled, I had the most overwhelming sense of love like it was the most calming, most peaceful, most gratifying, most loving sense that I've ever felt in my life. Like nothing compares. The only thing I can equate it to possibly is maybe being born and having your mother hold you as soon as you're done. Being uh, you born. see a lot of people that come out of these experiences. They're they're crying. They're emotional. They're so like overwhelmed with love or or those types of things. And you can honestly see that there's something that's happened. Yeah. Like that's not a lie when people come out of it. Right. And and it brought me to the realization. It's like the ego at that point died because I was no longer Lucas. I was no longer me. I became a part of not just every person, but everything in existence. I was the tree. I was the grass underneath me. I was the wind. I was everything that was, everything that will be, and everything that is at the same time. And it's like at that point, I felt that not just me, but we, we have this ancient knowledge that's locked in our DNA. And it takes a certain key to unlock what we already know, and that was the key. And I knew that at that point, life was perfection. Within every moment, there is 
perfection has to be in order to exist correct there's a large structure that is way further beyond what we can comprehend but it is there and it's perfect and we don't have to worry about anything the only thing we have to do is align be the best version of ourselves that we can be and stay in alignment and we'll be guided we don't have to act on our own accord we will feel those impulses to do those certain things we're going to get those hits of intuition and say hey maybe i should do this maybe i should be here maybe i should talk to this person you know maybe you're in a grocery store and you know you typically don't talk to people but one day you just get this urge to say hey how's your day going and that conversation is the one that changes your life always does Taryn and i talk about this all the time i stumble on things constantly it uh you know and i'm you know me i'm the guy that uh, says hi to whoever i right. don't care yeah of course um in fact i don't like to see people have be in a bad mood around me sure and maybe it's a little bit selfish of myself because Impact. i don't want them to give me that feeling Correct. but at the same time i just don't like to see anybody like that so i try to make people smile whenever i'm around them um but we're, would you say that uh, that it gave you the understanding that you're only supposed to be authentic and that's it? Yes. The, at the end of the story, once the ego dies and once you're no longer identified with who you think you are, you become your true self. And at the end of it, the only feeling left was love. And, you know, you hear you hear the phrase like love conquers all, but it's not just some bullshit like that is the truth at the end of it. You have a spectrum of love and then everything that is not love. And the further away we get from that love feeling, the more we are seem to be viewed as crazy or angry or anxious, whatever the case is. But the closer we get to love, the more that things just happen. We don't have to do anything because it'll happen for us. The people that you see who are living their best lives, I guarantee you, not only are they very happy, but they experience love as one of their dominant emotions on a daily basis. Yep. So I knew that I didn't just I couldn't think it. It was a knowing that I got unlocked through me at that point. But the hardest thing about the entire journey, I want to say it comes back to Western society and how I was raised. While all this transformative experience was happening, the hardest thing that I had to deal with was letting go. It's that it's that um, background. You're you're from Florida. Right. And um, that's a that's a southern uh Christian Baptist type of society, and there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I would argue that what it says in their books is exactly what you're discussing in different forms. But um, I can see how having that background and growing up around that, it's almost like you have a a rope of guilt holding on to your ankle the entire time, or shame because you might be doing something that's against the the societal accepted way to do this this uh, type of journey would would that sound about correct almost putting you in a i'm fucking with god right now situation a little bit because you do get in in touch with whatever god is whoever god is you are in it at that point and i think subconsciously maybe it, it was i don't know necessarily guilt but i i, I so maybe it, i'm maybe i'm transferring a little bit of what i think i would feel maybe i mean it, uh, there there was some sense of guilt, but only because I, w- I felt guilty that I couldn't just be in the experience rather than trying to learn something from it immediately. The learning is going to take place regardless, and I, I, I actually understood that afterwards, but I was so selfish in the process that I was like, this is such a transformative experience. I need to be not only in it, but I have to be of it as well. So I can absorb everything. And that that's selfish. You know, if you can just. Oh, yeah. If you're looking for enlightenment, then you're fucked. Right. Because it'll come, but you don't look for it. You just got to be. You have to exist. And I, I learned that in the process. So, again, I, I understood not just 
thought, but I understood that if I can stay in alignment, if I can just be my best self and stay true to myself, then I would be completely fine. And I, I, I had understood also that not just for me, but most people, you know, we, we, we don't necessarily lie to ourselves all the time, but we do in certain cases and we justify things. That's the subtle lie that kills us all. We start to accept things that maybe would like, let's say you're a child, right? You know how children are, are yes or no. There's no in-between. It's I want this or I don't want this. And when you don't want it, you know. But when they want it, you know. That is also a quality I feel like I've lost over the years. And it's a great quality to have because when you are unapologetically yourself, you get to live the life that you want to live. There's no restrictions within the brain that are created by other people's judgment. Exactly. If you center yourself and you do things um, naturally, right? if you follow those impulses that, and not impulses that are created by society, impulses right. that come from within, because I would argue that the first impulse that most people have is to reach out to somebody in their time of need. And, and that could be the most treacherous situation. You could see somebody standing on the side of the street screaming and smacking themselves. And we know so many people walk by. Right. But that's not initially what they wanted to do. Right. They wanted to help them. Sure. But they thought about the situation. They weighed everything else. And the mind said, that's a problem. That's not a situation that we want to involve ourselves in. When in reality, we should have and could have and would have without the mind interfering. We would have embraced that person immediately. Right. We would have done everything we could for them because that's what's natural to our being. Right. It is not to, to ostracize or step away. In fact, I would argue that it's a form of guilt and it's a form of not accepting and being grateful for the things that you have in your life at that moment. And in order to do that, you have to accept that you've got a good life in comparison to that person in front of you. Sure. Nobody wants to do that. Sure. We have to be authentic. Right. We have to be ourselves because right. it allows us to be that person that reaches out to that, you know, to somebody in their time of need. Correct. And and that's that's a big difference maker. If you can be that for somebody, it, you could change somebody's life. And th the issue is with us, and I know with me personally, it's such a subtle thing. You may get a millisecond of a thought saying, hey, I need to go help this person. And then the brain kicks in right after, literally a millisecond right after, hey, you're doing well. It's not your problem. Continue to go about your path. It's going to make your, your journey longer to wherever you were going. You don't know what they're going through. You might not be equipped. To, all these thoughts that are going to deter you from doing what you initially would have done in the first place. They happen so fast. And that, that's that's called life. Yeah. You know that, right? Yeah. That's that's life from day one all the way through to figure out that you were doing everything not to be day one. Right. Everything not to be who you are. You see people, you know, I think the pandemic made this very apparent for a lot of people that they realized that they were toiling, yeah. that they were literally in an ant farm and they weren't even aware that the ant farm existed. Of course. And now they're seeing that um, they get no fulfillment from these mindless drone-like jobs and lives that we live. Yeah. I'm not saying that we don't need to function as a society, but we need to look where we derive our reward and our self-worth and our being from. It, if it's from, you know, a spreadsheet, it better be a spreadsheet that really has some fucking loving shit on it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I can't think of much else. You know, exactly. use if you're stuck in that position societally and this is the career that you have, um, then and you 
you feel like you can't do something else, well, hey, that's bullshit. You can do anything. Of course. It's literally nothing you can't do. But if you're in a position where you have to stay in the machine for a certain amount of time, use it as a machine. Right. Don't derive your self-worth from it. Go home, get your self-worth from your family. Right. Get your self-worth with your, you know, get your self-worth from yourself. Right. Because you're no good to anybody else until you fucking figure out who the hell you are. It's true. It's like you can't continue to pour into other people's cup if your cup is not full because it's going to leave you empty every single time. So if, you de- if you're deriving your self-worth from everything else that's outside of you, then you will never feel fulfilled or satisfied because, you, like you said earlier, you're placing everything that you need to find within onto something that's external, and that'll never leave you 100% whole. And, and that happens because of the simple fact that we fought so hard to be authentic throughout our whole life. So then you get to that point in life where you feel like everything you have done, which is true, has been for not except for to figure out who you are. Right. Right. And you just look back at it with all of this guilt and, and wonder, you know, what did I give up? What did I lose? What is all those things? And then when you feel like you can't get them or you missed out on the chance, you tack it on to somebody else. Yeah. And you say, you know what? That's my hero. That's the one that's going to make everything that I did right. They're going to give me that justification that I can't get myself because there was nothing to justify to begin with. It's sad. Yeah, it is. It it creates, fuck, sports teams. (laughs) Literally, our country looked like sports teams for a while. It was crazy. Yeah, super super weird. Um, I, I think that if you could find yourself, then you'll understand that that justification that we do on that daily basis is not necessary. But it, it takes brutal honesty. So a few months later, it was my mother's birthday, and she and I, I took her out for, you know, a little lunch or whatever, something simple. And I broke down and cried to her unintentionally because I had realized that I was lying to myself. But it wasn't, again, it wasn't blatant lies. It was that justification. And, and I didn't think I was doing anything wrong. So most of us, I can, we're probably in the same boat. We don't think we're doing anything wrong. We don't even know it exists. Yeah. We don't even know that the reality that we walk within is something different than what is actually going on around us. And the the funny thing is, is we have millions of clues. They're plants and animals. Everywhere. So many clues with everything else that's not engaging the same manner. They're not, you know, and, and I think it's evolutionary. I think that we're opening up. Our minds are becoming different. I think that religions predicted it, and they said that over a certain amount of time that we would start to come to self-realizations. Truth. Truth is, it's now. Right. That is the only thing that there is that's true. It's never tomorrow. It's never yesterday. Always it's now. always now. And then all we do is create a cage around our brain with yesterday and tomorrow of depression and anxiety. And guess what? OCD, ADHD, all these other things, they're screams. They're the brain screaming, the heart screaming to let it out of a false cage. We put people in jail for crimes against a false reality. Yep. Think about that. Things that we created that should have never existed, we take away their lives for. It's it's insane to think about. All across the board, it's all insanity, but it allows you also to relieve not just the situation you had where you had the realization that your memories were not what they could have been or should have been based on outside input or social stimuli or whatever it is that creates what we believe is our life path. And- If you're in that situation, you don't think that 
I lost where I was going. I'm, I'm trying to think about the best way to describe this. We don't realize that other people before this realization get the same card. Yep. So every single bit of guilt and shame and things that they have that you pinned on them and vice versa, you get to see that it unravels and it's not their fault. Right. It's a cosmic joke. Right. It's really right in front of our faces. It's just hard to accept. I mean, this is a super existential episode, but I don't care what book you're reading. They all say something similar and they all say fucking be cool, trust each other, love each other. It's all about right now. Nothing more, nothing less. And do unto others as you would have. Dude, dude that's like yeah, the easiest one to follow. Yeah. And but that's you. I love that statement because not only does it exist in all major religions, but if you think about it in the greater sense, we are all each other. We're mirror reflections of each other. Everything we hate in the other person or dislike is what we hate about ourselves. Yeah. If that's not a mirror, I don't know what is. Right. If you want a justification for people having problems with homosexuals, it's because they have latent homosexual thoughts yeah. and they really have to stand up as loud and be as loud as they can for everybody not to know that they're having those thoughts. Right. It's the same thing. Like they want to be black. They want to have an identity. Guess what? White people, there's a lot that are jealous of black people. You know why? Because they look happy as fuck when they're with their family. You know why? Because they are. Yeah. And you know what you do in that situation? You hate it yeah. because it's not you. There's so many things. There's so many reasons. It's not the only reason that that exists. But it's just one of the many slices of that pie. I just spit everywhere. <laughs> The slices. The slices of life. Well, you know, that's my pizza theory. I think that all religions are a slice of pizza and they're pointed at that white table in the middle that's right. God right. protecting us from the fucking box. <laughs> that's all it is. That, that is a that is a great analogy for life. I like that. I'm going to use that. <laughs> it, it really, it's the only way I can think because if we all came from one spot, right, and we grew outward, we still have to have the roots of where we came from. Correct. Right? So we're still a pizza. Correct. The only thing is that we're adding toppings as we move out. Right. Because it's still the same thing in the center. You know, somewhere in the Mesopotamian River Valley where all this shit started. Who knows? Yeah. But it all says, just do unto others. I just said this when we were, I was talking to Demi Ramos the other day. She was on the show. And it really came down to, she said she liked to treat everybody as if they were the most important person in the room anytime she met with someone, no matter who they were. And, you know... When you think about that, anytime you have treated somebody without faking it as the most important person in the world, how did they treat you back? The exact same way. Every single time. Without fail. So long as your intent was genuine. Correct. If you don't want anything from them, if you just want to treat them well because you feel they deserve that because they are a person, which is a miracle. Yeah, we, we had this really cool dude called JC that used to wash feet and shit of people that nobody else wanted to go around. Do unto others as you would have them do unto yours. Sure. Or unto you. Jesus, man. It's been, it's, I'm off my time. We started the show a little early today. <laughs> um, dude, we've talked about so much, and I know you've got so much going on and coming up. Um, tell people where they can find you on Instagram first. So my Instagram handle is Sir Luke Skywalker. It's like S I R L U C 
Skywalker. I um, love it. Yeah. Now it it should be like after Uncle Luke from back in the day. It's a combination. Uncle it's got to be and the Jedi vibes. Okay, so it's a it's a mix. I like that. It is. It I is. like that. I like that, dude. You're gonna have to come back on the show. We're running up on time. Otherwise, I would uh, I would keep going. You know, I can talk about this kind of shit all for day sure, long. For sure. Um, but what I what I'd like to have everybody take away from this episode is that um, it's it's best to be yourself Always. and to love each other, and the rest will come in time. Hundred percent. Anything you want to leave people with? <sighs> Be the change you wish to see. Mmm. Affect change. I like it. All right, academics. Remember, be cool. Keep learning. Hey, Thanks again for attending another class at the Tragedy Academy. You can show us some love by subscribing, downloading, and rating us five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Or ask Amazon Alexa to play the Tragedy Academy podcast. You can find links to all major podcast platforms and past episodes at thetragedyacademy.com. You can find us on all the majors of social media on Instagram at the Tragedy Academy 2019 on TikTok at The Tragedy Academy and on Twitter at Tragedy underscore Academy, where we'll post our clips of upcoming shows, updated info and thoughts. If you'd like to be a guest, send an email to show at thetragedyacademy.com. Keep an eye out on Instagram for Tragedy Academy giveaways. Thanks again for coming to class. And remember, be cool. Keep learning. What's up, academics? This is Jay. I'm here to talk to you about Into the AM. This is a clothing and apparel company that I came across last year that has the absolute coolest designs. And the reason why I was attracted to it is because I grew up without a lot of money, like many others, and had to shop on that outlet rack with the irregular items. Things like the fly was over four inches to the left, or the right sleeve would be twice the size of the left. It looked like I was growing horizontally. Like, it's okay, honey, you'll grow into your left arm. So you really don't get a chance to express yourself the way that you want to. You go into life, you start putting on suits, you start putting on uniforms, and you realize you'd never had a chance to truly express yourself. Enter into the AM, a team of artists and creators who share a common vision. They see clothing as a canvas to express what drives you. Since 2012, They've developed premium apparel that elevates self-expression and provides unparalleled comfort for wherever your passions take you. Into the AM's passion for change is the driving force behind their brand. They remain committed to creating products that inspire and promote self-expression by partnering with like-minded organizations focused on giving back to communities in need. Last year, they donated 1% of all revenue from their graphic tees collection to the Art of Elysium charity. The Art of Elysium is an artist organization built on the idea that through service, art becomes a catalyst for social change. For over 24 years, the Art of Elysium has paired volunteer artists with communities to support individuals in the midst of difficult emotional life changes. They currently offer 110 community programs per month, serving over 30,000 individuals per year. The only permanent thing in life is change. Supporting charities dedicated to helping those going through these changes, trials, and tribulations require a never-ending commitment. The onus is on us as creators to affect change through our true, authentic talents. And Into the AM is the model of how this is done. Their clothes are handcrafted with care. They have a team of skilled artisans that craft each garment with the highest quality fabrics and eco-friendly inks. Not to mention, these things don't shrink, they don't fade, and they fit as if they were designed supernaturally. I'm stopped every time I wear one of the graphic tees to find out where I got it. The colors attract attention from miles, and the art is nothing short of spectacular, with designs for everyone. 
one of my personal favorites, Twilight Mickey. Go take a look. Into the AM does all of this while putting their money where their mouth is. 30-day money-back guarantee, lightning-fast shipping, and hassle-free returns. The deals are endless. Graphic tee bundles, discount promo codes. Get over there. Check it out. I'm highlighting the tees, but I'd be remiss to not mention that if you want to walk around in the absolute most comfortable shorts, joggers, and basic tees, hit up into the AM. I even wear the basics to the gym. Head on over to the tragedyacademy.com, go to our sponsors tab, and follow the affiliate link to the Into the AM store. Help support Into the AM and the Tragedy Academy by purchasing the absolute best apparel and the best designs ever. And remember, academics, be cool and keep learning.